Amen. Greetings to everyone in Jesus' precious name. I don't know if I ever remember that song becoming so real than it did this morning after that message. Thank you, Brother Andrew, where we sang, I gave my life for thee. It's a very good message there in the opening and I had to think maybe to make the tragedy a little more keener to all of us. I had to think of uh, <clears throat> that couple that he talked about where that young man that was drinking killed his girlfriend. And the thought struck me, imagine having to forgive that young man, needing to forgive that young man if you were the parents of that girl. You know why. It's so unfair, so, so, you know, so cruel. Why did she have to die and be killed by a drunkard? But uh, then I thought, you know, here's where the tragedy maybe gets, where we, we should feel the tragedy more keenly is that it was, in reality, it was my sin that crucified Christ. And the Father had to forgive us. <coughs> for his son. When he was totally innocent. You know, very likely this girl was drinking too. Very likely the parents drank. That's the way those things go. Sin is so... Uh, the wages of sin is death. It's just so... So tragic, but when I thought, well, it was my sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was my sins that he shed his blood for. It was my sins that he died, and, and God had to forgive me through his son. What a, what a lesson. <clears throat> I was very touched. Well, as the service progressed here this morning, I thought maybe I should change my title. And maybe you'll understand why after I give it to you, but the title is Something for All. Something for everyone this morning. And when the reality already, when the reality hit me, we were already had something for everyone here this morning. <laughs> My message is a little more specific to every, every age group or people group, however you want to put it here this morning. But we definitely had something for all, didn't we? Things we heard, the miracle we were reminded of there in the children's lesson, it was definitely something for all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We have this moment right now to hold in our hands and to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. 
Yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never come. But we have this moment today. Right now. I would like the message this morning to encourage and inspire us to be all we can be for God in this short life that we live. Every age group here. Well, yeah, the one age group I'm going to talk about probably won't grasp this yet, but but that is the burden and the heart of the message to encourage and inspire us to be all that we can be for God in this short lifetime he has given us. All we can be for God. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. So everyone in this room is included in this encouragement. Peter said... God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. Non accepted. Non, non, uh, no, no, no one is uh, exempt from that. He accepts everyone that worketh righteousness and fears him. I have divided our congregation into seven groups here this morning. The first group is the unborn and the newborn. And those is the group that probably won't grasp what I say this morning, but God does. The second group is the children up to youth age. The third is the youth boys and the fourth, the youth girls. The fifth, the mothers, the sixth, the fathers, and the seventh. Last but not least, the grandparents and the seniors. We have a few of those in here, don't we? So what I'd like to do here before we come to prayer is is just speak a bit about the unborn and the newborn among us and then pray for them that they would be all that they can be for God in their lifetime. You can turn with me to very familiar passages in the Bible. Psalms 139, where we read about the unborn. And we'll begin with this and then we'll have prayer for, for the, the unborn and the newborn and for the rest of the message. <clears throat> Psalms 139, verse 13 and following. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's Womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul 
knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. God sees. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in, continu in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now turn to 127 of Psalms. <clears throat> and here we'll get a verse for the newborns. Lo, verse 3, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of, of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And primarily what I wanted in this chapter here was verse 2 and verse 3. I'm sorry, verse 3. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. When Jesus was on the earth, he took a little child, and he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And he took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them and he blessed them. The unborn and the newborn among us. Curiously wrought in the depth in the lowest parts of the earth, I believe it says. Thine eyes did see my substance, and all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God sees the little unborns. So we have some of them in our midst. I thought maybe if uh, Larry would have been here, I would have got them all up here to pray for them, but I quickly dismissed that thought, and, and uh, yeah. But anyway, let's all together just uh, pray for the unborn and for the newborn that they could be all that God would want them to be in their life. Why don't we stand together for this prayer? Father, this message we, we, uh, we give this morning for all, even, even the unborn, Lord, in the womb of their mother, 
among us here, Lord. They're here. They probably hear these sounds. Lord, you in your book have written all their members. Lord, we pray for them. God, it's not a nice world that they're being born into. No, it's not. Heard about that earlier. A world full of tragedies. But God, this morning, but God. Father, we're not without hope. and We thank you so much for that. We pray for these little ones. Lord, bring them safely into this world. Oh God, and save them. Lord, seems like a long time, Lord, when we think ahead to their little lives, unborn lives, and growing up to be adults, and maybe even old people. Lord, all of us, the rest of us, will have probably died by the time these unborns are old. Lord, keep them, Lord. Keep even them. 80 years from now, 70 years from now, keep these little unborn ones, Lord. Help their mothers and their fathers to teach them the fear of the Lord. Oh God. The Lord, the newborns, the Bible says they are a heritage of the Lord. Lord, you've given them to us to raise as gifts, innocent, clean, like white sheets of paper, to fill out. And then give back to you, to use. Lord, we know that you ask the parents to teach and to train these little ones. Give us that vision, Lord. Give us that burden. Oh, God, give us the vision, Lord. For without a vision, people perish. I pray, Lord. And it's, it's just a reasonable service, Lord, to give these precious gifts that are so dear to us, the teaching and the training, the discipline, the guidance, Lord, the instructions that they need to be all they can be for you. Lord, let go to themselves. They'll be used of the devil. But God, I know that the parents here have better hopes than that. And I pray, God, that you'd give them a vision. Lord, 
to learn, to seek out, to study how to raise their children. Your children, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless the other points of this message as well, Lord. God, something for everyone. I know we're just going to scratch the surface. These are all points that a whole message could, should, and could and should be preached on. But Lord, I'm just going to uh, step over these topics one point at a time. So it's a little something for all. God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Life can change so quick. Like the man at Dua's auction, I was just found out yesterday that he did die. The one that the uh, that walked up to that tractor, I understand, and turned the key, standing beside the wheel, and it, it started up and drove over himself, basically over his whole body, over his head. And uh, I hadn't heard the outcome, but yesterday I heard that he, he died. So, as we go down through these points, <clears throat> time progresses so rapidly. I know you children, you that, children, if I can have your attention for just a minute, you that sat up here at the children's lesson and heard Daryl give you that story, you, you think you can't wait till you're, until you're bigger, until you're, you know, like your big brother or out of school or like, like the youth. You just can't wait. <clears throat> but very quickly, you'll be a youth. And probably many of you will be married. And before you know it, you'll have children. Your little ones sitting in children's class. And before you know it, you'll be grandparents. And then you'll die. Some of you. <clears throat> so children, let me talk to you a little bit and give you something this morning. Another children's lesson, okay? Point number two is for the children. All of you up to maybe 16. Did you know that the Bible says that even a child is known by his doings? whether his work is pure or whether it be right. Did you know that you can look at a child and you can see by his actions what kind of boy or what kind of girl he is? Did you know that? What do you think of a man when you look at him and you see someone smoking or cursing or being very angry or maybe doing something else very bad? You think... That is a bad man, don't you? Don't you think that? Well, yeah, because he's doing bad things. And so you know what kind of man he is by the things that he does. And we know what kind of, child, what kind of child you are by the things you do. 
by how you act. That's what the Bible says. A child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. Mom and dads know when their children, most of the time, are guilty. They have a guilty conscience. You can tell it. They can't look mom and dad in the eyes right. You know, they just feel all yucky on the inside. Mom and dads can tell. And then mom and dads are supposed to help you get clean and clear and get taken care of that guilty thing that's making you feel bad and what you've done wrong and they're supposed to help you uh, maybe confess and, 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 and admit what you did and say sorry or whatever. And maybe sometimes it, it, takes a, it takes a spanking to make your heart uh, feel better. I know spankings hurt, but they make you feel better on the inside if it's done right. They make, they make you clean, and then you are clean again. And one thing the Bible says for you children, which I know you already know, but keep listening. The Bible says that children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well-pleasing unto... No, 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 I'm sorry, I didn't read that right. Children, obey your parents in all things. Everything? For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. That means you shouldn't have any secret things behind your parents' back that you know you shouldn't be doing. Because that makes you a little bit guilty, and then maybe you will tell your friends what you did, and you will teach someone else something bad, and so it goes on, and you teach someone else, and they teach someone else how to do bad things. It's not good for you to, for you to do anything that your parents don't want you to do. It says, in all things, obey your parents. This makes God happy when you obey your parents in everything. You want to make God happy, children? Raise your hand if you want to make God happy, children. Good. Well, then you learn to obey your parents in everything. Learn to obey right away. Instant obedience. Like little Samuel in the Bible. You remember little Samuel in the Bible? When he heard his name called, he ran over to Eli and said, Here I am. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. And then he hears his name called again. Here I am, Eli, right away. Is that how you obey your parents, children? That makes God happy. Right away, like Samuel in the Bible. Learn to obey cheerfully. Cheerful obedience. Okay, Mom. Okay, Dad. Is that how you obey? Do I have to? I don't want to do it. Can my brother do it? Why don't my sister do it? (laughs) 
Too bad we hear those kinds of expressions, don't we? Almost not right to say it over the pulpit, but learn to obey cheerfully. Okay. I think Jesus said something like that he, he loves to obey his Father in heaven. And you'll be like Jesus if you obey cheerfully. Yes, Dad. Yes, Mom. This is something for you, children. A little more. Learn to obey thoroughly. That's a big word. It means finish the job that you're told to do. Complete obedience. Jesus said that to his disciples. He said, or actually in his, in his prayer, he told his father, Father, I, I've done what you want me to do. Is that what you do, children, when you do your the tasks that your mom and dad asked you to do, and then you come back and say, I've done what you wanted me to do. That makes God happy. It's well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, last of all, children, are you listening? This is very, very, very important. Why is it so important that you learn this? Because someday you will hear God call your name. Miranda or whoever else you are. Miranda. And then if you have learned to obey your mom and your dad, right away, cheerfully and thoroughly, you'll probably obey God that way. That's how it works. If you learn to do your own thing, to not obey right away, I'll come, I want to finish this yet, I want to do this thing yet, well, what if God calls you that way? Well, I'll come, and then God goes away. What if you miss God? That would be terrible. God will call you again, but, but children that push away that still small voice long enough, after a while their heart gets hard and they don't come. And that's very sad. So it's very, very, very important that you learn to please God by learning to obey your parents in all things. Okay? Did you understand? That was for you. Number two, the children. Okay, now you can listen as we go on to the youth boys. And the group of youth boys I want to talk about today... I'm assuming, have learned obedience to their parents. Have given their hearts to the Lord, have been born again, and are advancing in the disciplines of the Christian life. Now, if you thought, and you probably have, but you probably also know the truth of this, or at least probably you wished that the Christian life was easy, it's not. It's not. If you thought that the Christian life was easy, you thought wrong. And I want you to think about advancing. Like I said, I'm assuming I'm talking to a group that have been born again and have given their hearts to the Lord. And now we are talking about advancing in the disciplines of the Christian life. As you learn to lay down your will for your parents, 
as you learn, and you learn that that was best. You know, that takes some time to learn that. But after a while, we learned that, you know what? Dad was right. Dad was, mom was right. And it was best for me to do what they wanted me to do. So you will continue to learn that to lay down your life for the Lord is best. We don't learn that all in the beginning. That we kind of learn as we go along. It's a, it's a process. So I want to talk about a few disciplines of the Christian life. And by the way, this also applies to the youth girls. That might as well say that so you can take notes on a lot of these same points on youth disciplines. I'd like to, for, that, for the young men uh, to focus on one word here this morning. For the sake of time, like I said, all of these topics you could preach a whole message on, but I'm just going to focus on one word, and that is the word strong. We're talking about disciplines. We're talking about advancing in the Christian life through disciplines, and now I want you to think about the word strong. Strong makes me think of words like exercise, discipline, practice, overcoming, victorious, etc. If you want to be strong, those need to be part of your life in order to become strong. You don't just become strong by doing nothing physically, right? And you won't become strong by doing nothing spiritually. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John 2 for this point. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 14, the second part of the verse. Actually, the middle part of the verse. Actually, no, I was looking at 13. The second part of verse 14. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. These Disciplines are to make you strong spiritually. Youth, both of you, I want you to think, I want you to realize that right now, this time of your life, youth, from 12 to whatever, as a single young person, this is a time in your life when you want to master discipline. Self-discipline. Things that you do that no one else even might know about. Things that you have decided that you want to do in order to become strong. Spiritually. And the time of your youth is the time to do that. So here's, here's the one thing I want to give to you, to the youth. It's just one thing, but it is a big thing, and I believe it could revolutionize your Christian life. And some of you, I know, are progressing, but there's more. Amen? There's more. There's always more for all of us. So youth, in this time of your life, before the pressures of mom and dad and children come into your life, 
master these things. You have time. The question is, what are you doing with it? You have evenings. You have maybe mornings that you can use to become strong. You have a lot of time if you take it. So I suggest that first of all you make a schedule. Make your own schedule. I'll give you some ideas maybe of things you could put in that schedule. Discipline number one to keep yourself, discipline yourself to keep the schedule. It won't do you any good if you don't keep it. But remember, you want to become strong spiritually. So you're going to have to do this. And number one is Bible reading. Maybe not in order of importance necessarily, but I know you heard this, but young people, you want it to become a habit where you feed yourself from this word. You must feed yourself from this word. You cannot just hear messages. You cannot just do, get enough in family devotion. You need to get wine. You need to get living water from this word yourself. And that takes discipline. It's like searching for gold. It don't come hopping out of the ground. You got to get the shovel, the pick, and the axe and go find it. And if you have a problem in your life, here's the answer. Amen? Right here's the answer. So go and dig for it. And that takes time and it takes discipline. And you're going to have to learn to read your Bible and search for it as one searches for gold. Not every morning, maybe. Maybe you read it in leisure sometime just to have a panoramic view of the Word of God. But there are times when you need an answer, and out comes the pick. Amen? You know what that's like? You have a problem. You have a habit in your life that you didn't master when you were in the point before, when you were a child. So now it takes a little more extreme measures. Now you've got to get the digging iron and the pick, and you've got to find an answer. Or this thing will cripple you for your Christian life. You have time. Bible reading, prayer time is right there with it. It, just, it needs to become just like doing chores. Cows need to be fed. Bible needs to be read. Meditation and memorization. There's no better time. Well, maybe the children enter into this one a little bit for, mem- for memorization. But believe me, as, you're, as you get older, your mind, it doesn't memorize as well as it did when you were a youth. How about this one? Letter writing and encouraging others is not old-fashioned, by the way. You can still pick up a pencil and write letters, maybe, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't email everything. But it's always a blessing to get a snail mail in the mail, a letter from a friend, and it's a blessing, I know, to get an email from a friend, too. But why don't you do that? There are struggling youth. There are struggling youth. There are many youth that have been sat where you sat in our Bible schools that would do well to hear from you, right? I'm praying for you, Abe. 
I'm praying for you, Matthew, and write him a letter. We miss you. God loves you. Yes, it's your time, youth. Why don't you do that? Visit others. Go visit them, maybe. Stop in and visit the elderly. It's a blessing when youth visit the elderly in the old people's home. All on their own. Not when when you just go over there Sunday afternoon. All on your own. Get a little gift, a little card, a little something, and go bless an old, old person. Testimony. I can't say enough on this part, but I, oh my, time is going away from me here. Learn to testify. Not a lot, but testimony is vital for your Christian life. It is. It is. I know you heard me say this before. Young men, young women, testify of the grace of God. If you don't have it in your life, testify that you need it. I need the grace of God in my life. Testify. Open your mouth. With the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made. It's, it's half of our salvation. And it's also a way to overcome the, the wicked one. They overcome the, the, the devil. How does it say? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's very important. Okay, I'm going to go on. That will make you strong. Now, if you're writing, I had five references I wanted to look up here on strength. Put these down on notes. Ephesians 6.10 and look them up later. Philippians 4.13, Colossians 1.11, 2 Timothy 2.1, 2 Peter 3.18. If you didn't follow all those, ask me afterwards and I'll give you them again. But I encourage you to look up those verses in the light of being strong. Okay? Youth girls, this might be a shorter one because a lot of this pertain to you as well, or a lot of the prior one. Youth girls, the Bible says that God will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and your 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 daughters shall prophesy. Yes, it's in the New Testament. And yes, it's for our day. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Acts 2.17 to be exact. What does prophecy mean? It means to foretell events. Divine. Speak under inspiration. Exercise the prophetic office. And I think probably the one that pertains to you, sisters, youth girls, would probably be primarily to speak under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You can do that all day long. Philip, in the Bible, had four daughters, it says, that prophesied. And I think this might have looked something like this. I don't expect them that they were up here where I am, behind the pulpit, preaching. They might have been teaching girls' groups and prophesying the... uh, uh, Talking about God's word, speaking out of their own experience, speaking what God showed them, and maybe have a Bible verse to back it up, 
and they're encouraging others. Uh, maybe for Philip's daughters there, as they were in their house and a visitor came in, just the way they, they related, they, they, they spoke, they, they ordered their home there, was all a testimony of the, of the Spirit of God in their home. God's presence was all over Philip's house. He had four daughters that testified. Maybe, maybe the visitors heard singing in the background. Spiritual, heartfelt singing. And it encouraged him. You know, and on and on the list could go of things you can do while under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, God is looking for ladies like that. That take this serious. Girls that are filled with the word. They think the word. They are filled with the spirit. They are filled with the fruit of the spirit. And it comes out of their lives. They are not sad and long-faced and moping around and that kind of thing. But they, they have a purpose. They are daughters of the king. They are daughters of God. They have a place to fill. They have a ministry to minister unto. And oh, God, I believe, will not pass those young ladies by. In fact, he says, ladies that do this, that give more attention to that hidden man of the heart, is what I'm talking about. They give more attention to that to adorn that than they do the outside. This is in the sight of God a great price. Peter says that. You know that verse. It says that the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. They just show up the right time with the right words, with the right thing to say. And it changes the day. The ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. By the way, girls, did you know that Jesus said, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly? That's probably what Mary was doing when she sat at Jesus' feet and, and, and Martha was cumbered about with much work. And Jesus said, Mary has done the important part and won't be taken away from her. Girls, discipline yourselves to adorn that inner man, the heart, in which is not corruptible and not so much on the outside. That attracts the wrong kind of guys, by the way. It does. Do you know what adorning means? I thought this was very interesting. It means to embellish. Something which, added to another thing, renders it more beautiful to the eye. Beautiful. Girls, go ahead and adorn that hidden man. Make it beautiful to the eye. First of all, to God's eye. And then to every serious-minded person you come in contact with. Go ahead, add it on, tack it on, plaster it on. 
What am I talking about? It says here, something which added to another thing. I'll give you a list. Girls, Peter gives it to us. It says, add to your faith virtue. And add to your virtue knowledge. Add to your knowledge temperance. Oh no, I, I, I can't go there. Temperance. Add to temperance patience. You're embellishing it. You're making it beautiful. Add to patience godliness. Add to godliness brotherly kindness, sisterly kindness. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. Go for it, girls. Number five, mothers. Let me read something, I guess, in... Start with here on mothers. I know you know this, sisters, and uh, this is just to encourage you, you young ladies here with children on your lap and children in school, and I know things can get hectic and overwhelming, and, and uh, sometimes you wonder if you're really making a difference. <clears throat> But I'm going to read a poem here of, an, of a wise and an unwise mother. And I believe you're probably all wise mothers in here, but sometimes we can probably understand how this unwise... What did I say? You're all wise mothers? I hope so. That's what I meant. Sometimes we can understand how this unwise... Sometimes we might feel like this unwise mother. Okay, here I go. A mother sat by her hearthside place reading the Bible with a pleasant face, till a child came up with a childish frown and pushed the Bible, saying, Put it down. Then the mother, slapping his curly head, said, Troublesome child, go off to bed. The words of the Bible I must know to train you up as a child should go. And the child went off to bed to cry and hated religion by and by. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? We shoo the child away because we've got to learn the Bible to, to teach the children, train the children. Sometimes that's just how the flesh works. And I'm sure there's none here that want to be like that. But then listen to the rest of the poem. Another mother perusing the book with a smile of joy and an intent look till a child came up and jogged her knee and said of the book, put it down, take me. Then the mother sighed as she stroked his head, saying softly, I never shall get it read. <laughs> you know how that is. But I'll try by loving to do God's will and his love into my child instill. That child went to bed without a sigh and loved the Lord by and by. Amen? Did you get it, sisters? I know. I've heard 
I've seen my wife lay down the book. And I probably had to do it too for the sake of the relationship. Amen? Oh my. Mothers, take this time of childbearing, raising, teaching, training your children as a tremendous opportunity to pour in your children your influence for God. You can do it. God has given you the ability and the opportunity. Lay the book down and love the child. We know, I know you know the book, but you need to be refreshed from time to time. But, Sometimes the demands are so great that it goes a long time till mom gets to read the book. But that's okay. Let me give you a few verses. <clears throat> if I can see. Ah. <clears throat> uh. Timothy's mother and grandmother. Paul says of Timothy's grandmother and mother, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that is pure faith, pure, pure faith. It's real, it's pure, it's authentic, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also, Timothy. Your grandmother, your mother passed it on. Now, another word from Paul to Timothy. He tells Timothy, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And it may include the Apostle Paul's teaching, but I'm rather confident it includes his mother and his grandmother's teaching. And he's telling Timothy, continue in them those things that you have learned, being assured of of and knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Mothers, be genuine. Be real to your children. They'll read you like a book. And years later they know that maybe you didn't have the exact verse and everything just right, but they'll know you were genuine. And it'll stick like it did for Timothy. Look the results. And that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You may be the greatest preacher your child will ever have. You may preach the greatest sermon that will ever impress your child. Don't be weary. 
You've had these from a child, Paul said, and they are able to make thee wise. Go ahead, do it, mothers. Do it. And if you need help, ask for help. If you need support, ask for support. This is big stuff. Those little ones that sit up here, these little lambs that Jesus took on his lap. Make it, and I know you are, but make it your number one calling and pursuit in life for the next 20 years. And take up the cross of other things. And let the house just maybe take a little bit the back seat if it needs to. And everything just tip-top shape. And minister the Spirit of God to those little ones. While they are moldable, while they are shapeable, while they are trainable, while they are impressionable. When he comes trudging in through with muddy, or she with muddy shoes on your carpet. Do what's right. You know what's right. You know what's more important. Let the character of Jesus come out of you at that moment. And love that little fella. Yes, he needs to learn not to walk on the carpet. But he needs to learn it from Jesus. Through you. Okay, number six. Fathers. Something for all. Fathers, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 again where we were. The epistle of John. Verse 14. Now the first part of the verse says... I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Brothers, that's Jesus. That's the Alpha and the Omega. That's the beginning and the end. Fathers, ye have known him that is from the beginning. Fathers, you know Jesus. John is addressing Christian fathers here. You know the Alpha. You know the great I Am. Fathers, we have a grave responsibility. How is our walk with God? So much depends on us. Fathers, ye have known him that is from the beginning. The worldling father don't know God. They don't have the answers. They don't know where to tap in to find answers for their problems, but the Christian father does. And when we don't have the answer, we, we surely have the means to the answer, don't we? And so, so much depends on us. 
We are to be the head of our wives. We are to minister to them. We are to love them as Christ loved the church. How is that? How is our walk with God? Is it real? Is it authentic? You ask yourself that question. How is my, my walk with God? Is it vital? Is there a connection? Am I getting wine? Am I getting word? Am I getting water to feed my own soul? Because so much depends on me. My wife looks to me as her head. Am I able to direct her? Yes, she goes to God too, but God set up this headship order. And we have a responsibility. Not only are we to be the head of our wives, which could be a whole message, but we are to be the priest in our homes. What does that mean? The priest was one in the Old Testament that went in before God and stood in before God and the people. And he prayed and he interceded and he heard from God and he came out and he, and he, and he fed the people. He told the people what he heard. And he made sacrifices for the people. He went in there and he, and he, and he uh, killed the lamb and he, shed, he, he put the blood there. And he, offered, he made the offerings for the people. We are to be the priests in our home. Taking our children, every one of them, one by one before God. Oh God, save this soul. Raise them up. Make them a man or a woman of God. Make them all they can be in their lifetime because it's so short. Ye have known him that is from the beginning. God will say, I gave it all. I gave it all to you, everything you needed. We are to be the spiritual vitality of the church. The spiritual vitality, brother, depends on you and your walk with God. I am either a contribution, a filling up, or I am a vacuum, a sucking out. How is it, fathers, when it comes to my spiritual responsibility in the church of Jesus Christ? Rise up, O men of God. The church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. Your prayers, brothers, make a difference. And the lack thereof make a difference too. It really does. Did you ever notice what comes after these verses? Fathers, men, Look at verse 15. Love not the world. This is near and dear to us. We're men. We like things. We like things happening and make things happen and money and advancement and business and big things. I think this word is to us. It's connected. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. Somehow, brothers, we need to find the line of how to use these things and not love them. And that's probably not easy. But we need to do it. Somehow we need to make an altar and we need to put all our stuff on the altar and say, God, 
It's yours. Somehow we've got to do that. I cannot have it in my heart. It'll rob my love for you. It'll make me of a, a, a poor priest. My spiritual vitality in the church will be, will be not much if I have half my heart in the world. I think it's connected there for a reason. Us men. We need to be reminded that in just a flash, it passes away and it's gone. So what will we do with our short lifetime? Only one life, only one family. For most men, only one wife. What are we doing with them? And lastly, grandparents and seniors. I like, the point I'd like to make here is simply this. I hope, by the grace of God, to be one that ends up on fire for the Lord. 75, 80 years old, if the Lord gives me that many days, not having lost my zeal for the Lord. Proverbs says, the hoary, or the gray hair, head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. Ecclesiastes 4.13 says, better is a poor and a wise child than an old and a foolish king who will no more be admonished. I've got it figured out and no one ain't going to tell me what to do. Those men aren't very nice to age with, are they? But I would hope that we would pray and determine that we can be sweet, old men and old ladies. Sweet. Sweet. Approachable. Admonishable. Even in our old days. And yes, there's a place for old people where they can give advice and have wisdom. But in closing, turn with me to Luke. And we see two old people here that I think are outstanding. They are outstanding. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And this is where Jesus, as a baby, was brought into the temple. And Simeon sees him. He's just a faithful old man. There would be more in the, excuse me, in the Bible that we could see. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Oh, I pray to God that the Holy Ghost could be upon me and that I would be just and devout. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms, and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, 
which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And remember, this was an old man. And for a sign which shall be spoken of. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And at that time an old lady walks up and starts talking. Sweet old lady. Devout old lady. Anna, a prophetess. Here we go. Prophetess. Like we talked about earlier. Daughter of Phanuel, tribe of Asher. She was of great age. Lived with a husband seven years from seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. Do the math on that. She's old. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She coming in that instance gave thanks unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. Take some old ladies like that. And when they had performed all things, maybe that's all she said. Yes. Amen. I want to be like that. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. God bless.